Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce. I am your host, Cindy Stibbard. If this is your first time tuning in, I am so glad you're here. On this show every week, if you haven't joined us before, we dig deep into a topic that many of us feel uncomfortable about, a topic highly stigmatized in our society, and a topic that can trigger even those of us who have gone through it and are well on the other side. And that is the topic of divorce. If you have been following me for a while and listening to this podcast, you will know how truly passionate I am about changing the experience of divorce. Because I believe that changing this experience is a movement. And you don't have to be going through divorce yourself to be supportive of this movement. But I would bet that you know someone who has, who is, or who will go through divorce, or is at least impacted by it somehow. And this show is for all of them. I want this show to reach as many people as possible. Here are a couple ways for you to help get this podcast in front of those who need it. First of all, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate and review and subscribe to the show. Secondly, talk about us. Talk about us on social media if you're comfortable with that. If you like something you hear, tell your friends and share it. That is a huge support for us. Share this with anyone you know who's going through divorce, who struggles in their marriage or relationship, who has parenting challenges, even someone who is single and trying to redefine themselves in the world after divorce, because we talk about all of that here. And the third thing I'd like you to do is just show up, show up and be here and take it all in. Become informed, educated, and empowered to do relationships and divorce in a better way. I really want you to not just be a passive listener, but to take a little snippet from each episode that can either help you in your situation or help someone you know in theirs. And I am so proud of the show that we have put together for you and the lineup of strong, courageous, bold, and daring like-minded individuals who also want to lead the charge in changing the experience of divorce with me. I am so excited for the work we're all doing in this space and in the theme of changing the experience of divorce too. And this podcast is a testament to that. Today, I want to shift our focus a little bit and talk about teenagers and the impact divorce and any big major life transition can have on them and ways parents can connect and support their teen through all sorts of tough times in their lives. When parents divorce, as you all know, I'm sure, it is a very difficult time for the entire family. It can be especially tough on kids who have to deal with the upheaval of their lives and get used to the new reality of their day-to-day living. For teenagers, divorce can be particularly difficult. The most significant predictor of how teens will do after divorce depends really on how well their parents get along. Researchers have found that conflict between divorced parents really increases the risk of any mental health issues that can arise in the future, 
Specifically, when there's high parental contention and conflict, this can lead to all sorts of things, including a child's fear of abandonment and plenty of therapy bills later in your future. And even when divorce is amicable, and even when two parties are in agreement, it's often rare that divorce is completely amicable. There are lots of emotions that everyone is feeling, and it's natural for teens to grieve the loss of their family life. So expect your teen to experience a wide variety of emotions, from anger to pain and anything in between, and sometimes even numbness that we might not be able to see how they're really feeling. But let them know that it's healthy to share those feelings, but make it clear too that it's important to express them in a healthy way. And I know as you're sitting there listening to this and you're a parent of a teen and you're thinking, okay, sure, yes, I get all that, but how, how do I connect with my teenager? My guest today is Allie Payne. Growing up, Allie was the smart, fun girl on the outside and a frantic, anxious mess on the inside. She spent years healing the pain of dysfunctional family relationships, including eating disorders and a suicide attempt in order to break the cycle, raising her own boys. Allie is passionate about empowering parents with fundamental relationship skills to end the painful disconnection, emotional blowups, and stressful silences, and finally help parents build healthy relationships with their teenagers. Welcome to the show, Allie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to have you here. And I was trying to think of when I initially found you on Instagram, I think you had said something super poignant. And I mean, I'm a parent of two teenagers, a 14-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl. And the way that you approach, you're very candid, very upfront about advice. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's totally me. <laughs> <laughs> well, like this, girl, this lady's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So tell us, tell us your, a bit about your story and what really led you into doing what you're doing today for teenagers. Um, so as you said in uh, that introduction, thank you. I grew up in a loving home uh, back in the, the, the 80s, 70s, 80s, where our parents and their parents and generations before parented based on purely what they thought worked. There was very little science or data behind it. And now we know differently. I am fundamentally different than my family uh, from a values perspective. And so we butted head all the time. And there was a lot of toxicity uh, from my parents' own trauma as well, significant trauma that just continues to perpetuate as we know when we don't name it. And so um, I started taking diet pills at 12. I started drinking heavily at 13. I was uh, an award-winning academic and athletic student, also driven by perfectionism, my own version of trauma, and trying to earn love and approval, something, anything to stop the abuse. Mm -hmm. And I started skipping school at 15. I started to slowly slip and fail out at 16 and by 17, I was actually went from straight A's to F's failing out in a suicide attempt. And I decided I never wanted to feel that way again. And I also decided that I knew what I wanted. I knew very clearly what I needed. I tried asking for it. I tried all the versions of acting out that teens do when things aren't working for them, but they don't know how to ask for what they do need. They can sure shoot, tell you what they don't want right. um, in lots of colorful ways. 
And so I did that instead. And I thought being a teen shouldn't have to be this hard Mm -hmm. and being a parent shouldn't have to be this painful because it was very painful for my parents too, Mm -hmm. who loved me and were trying their best, but had literally to no equipping as neither do we, we're still, there's no training for this. Um, And it didn't need to be that way. And so I've spent decades in therapy and personal development and then uh, becoming a certified life coach, certified relationship systems coach. And I've been working with parents of teens for 15 years now to empower parents with what I still don't understand that we're not taught um, at any point in our lives, just as relationship skills, let alone parenting skills. Yes. And I am so passionate about this we learn everything we learn about relationships at home. And when we get relationships right there, we will change the world. Yes. Oh, you're speaking my language. I know. And this is when you're saying there's no teachings out there. You're so right. But I'm so glad that I feel like we're finally entering this phase that there are, there are people like you, there are people like me. We're finally, you know, offering these, this coaching to the world of saying, Hey, you know, you had kids and this isn't easy and we know, and we can help you or, Hey, you're going through divorce and you're going to be going through this, these phases. And there is no manual for this and we get it, but here's some help for you. And I think Mm -hmm. that, Oh my God, like you are so right. A relationship building starts from home. And I see that all the time with people going through divorce, you know, should I leave when they're younger? Should I wait till they're teenagers? Oh, like there's so many answers to that. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to say there isn't a wrong answer. Like Mm -hmm. when I, when I say that relationships start at home, I am not in any way condemning anyone who has chosen to leave our primary, their primary relationship or chosen divorce. I trust that you trust that, you know, what's best for you. Um, I I've been walked that path with a number of girlfriends with children Mm -hmm. who were as young as sort of two and four, and then children who uh, were already teens. And uh, it's a, it is not an easy path and it's not a wrong path. Mm -hmm. There are still ways we can empower our children and be the best parent possible. Please hear me. I did not say perfect. Yeah. <laughs> be, the, be the best parent, best parent possible, even in the face of that difficult road. Yeah. I love it. And I think it comes down to, first of all, being open to learning yes. new, new ways to communicate with your teenager and yes. then being able to take accountability. Cause what I also love about your approach is that you do call us out as parents and say, Hey, is this what you're doing? And then we're wondering, Oh, look at this showing up in our teenagers. You know, maybe mm-hmm. we should take a good look at ourselves because exactly you're right. Our kids don't learn by what we say. They learn by what we do and what they yes. see. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, so one of the teenagers are some of the most misunderstood species like uh, on our planet, because first of all, as parents, we parent, however we parent until approximately the age of 10, let's say. And by 10, we're finally like being able to drink a coffee before it's cold. Mm -hmm. And we're like, ah, I think I can, I think I can I can do this. I, you know, I'm not Mary Poppins. I'm no superwoman, but I think I can do this. And that's the problem. Anything we do for 10 years, we'd like to think that we can do. 
Mm-hmm. But what no one tells us and what no one tells our child is that their brain is about to fundamentally change and they can't go back. So all of a sudden, your child is no longer the child you knew. They are sassy, they're angry, they're pissy, they're th- blaming you for everything in their life, they're negative Nellies. Um, they, they, just don't seem to care about things like basic hygiene or doing what you ask. And so it's pushing everything you have in your brain, all of your fight fight or flight responses, because we love to be in control because control is safety in our brains. I'm not saying that as as a personal cut, like a hello control freak over here, hand raised, um, that influence is what we thought we had. Mm -hmm but our ego turns that into control. And then all of a sudden we have a teenager who gives us one of their fingers. You pick one and (laughs) goes, uh, think not you're not the boss of me, but what we see is this individual that you have invested 10 years into that now knows how to dress themselves, put food in their mouth, use a toilet. Um, they understand the basics of like how to get to school, how to speak to people, whatever. And then as they physically grow, so let's say they look you in the eye now, our brains make up, oh, this is just a chronologically young adult. Mm-hmm. So right. what's your problem? Why, why are you making such stupid choices? Why don't you care about your hygiene? Why aren't you working hard at school? Why don't you understand you have to go good great? What is your problem? Right. And we hold them to the same standard as being an adult which PS their brain does not have that capacity. Oh, Mm -hmm. and by the way, their brain also does not have the capacity to go back to being the person you loved and knew. So Mm -hmm. trying to retaliate, which we do, or resent them for not being who you thought they, who you knew and loved, that doesn't work either. Yet we want them to be as compliant and, and question less and be who they were when they were a child, but we want them to behave like they're an adult. Like they're, they're, yes. they're stuck between this double standard. And we also hold them to perfection mm-hmm. because why? Because you personally know the blood, sweat, and tears that you invested and sacrificed for this child to um, be their, the best, their best. But sometimes we conflate that with morality and say being our best, because if I'm a good parent, then I can feel good about myself. Specifically, if I'm going through a separation or a divorce, it's a hit on the confidence. It's Mm -hmm. a hit on my value. And, and, um, am I really a good person? Am I really deserving of love and all of these other questions? So we project that sometimes on our teen and saying, well, you should like, I asked you to do this the first time. Why didn't you do it? And I say to parents, um, your teenager is learning new habits. That's what they're learning. They're learning new habits, self-care habits and caring about their environment, everything with a new brain, right? A growing, actually growing, not just everyone talks about brain development. It's not, it's not developing. It is the second and final growth phase in the human lifetime. It is currently growing massive amounts of new hardware and trying to write new software at the same time, but better yet, it also happens at random times, completely different um, blood flow increases to different parts of the bay over two years. It is right. chaos in there. Yeah. And then we get mad at them when, when we ask them to do something, they forget, they don't make our priorities, their priorities. 
they can barely complete a sentence. And yet we get pissy at them when they're not perfect at developing a new habit. And what I say to parents, because again, when you're going through separation or divorce, it's already stressful enough. Are you perfect when you develop a new habit? Yeah. Are you perfect even though you've mastered a habit? Right. Probably not. I know. Yeah. But again, nobody tells us this. No, nobody tells us. And when you're in the stress of a separating relationship or divorce, that's one thing. And then you've got this teenager who's growing a new brain and you literally don't know how to communicate with anymore. Mm -hmm. And your resentment is becoming a boiling pot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. So when does, um, typically when does the brain start to grow? So up until 10, you say things are kind of like, they still listen to everything you say. Right. And then because you always hear, I hear from my friends, I hear from everyone, oh, the teenagers are going to be rough. And so it's like, you prepare yourself and like, wait for the shoe to drop. What's going to happen. But when does that brain start to grow and change? Well, it's getting younger and younger because of a number of factors that I, I won't get into, but between years, particularly for girls can start anywhere from eight to to 12 Mm. boys, uh, male brains generally start to mature a little bit later. So 11 to kind of 13, the growth phase, which is where their brain, I can't say this enough. It does not lack intelligence. It lacks efficiency, right? That's why they are so quickly overwhelmed, forget a lot of things. Um, it's just a wildly inefficient computing system. Those, those two years are roughly 13 to 15, the growth phase. Okay. Um, and when the growth phase is complete, the, the software writing, the development of the brain takes another 10 years, which is complete. Holy. Yeah. Between 20 to 25 the, yeah. is, is the science right now. It does depend on each child. But um, because the software part is like when your child learned to walk, mm-hmm. there is a physicality to it, but then there is, um, there is also uh, a knowing like of when knowing when grades change, how to minutely balance your foot muscles so that your body doesn't tip like that doesn't just come from behavior. That's all the thinking process. So that takes longer to develop. Yeah. Right. And so this is, I mean, really, we are expecting a lot from them when their brains really haven't grown to their grown up brain until they're in their twenties. It, they do. And, and, um, there's some distinct differences, um, actually, which I'll just cover a few of them real quick is that, Mm -hmm. For children, children seek direction. They um, they love doing things or mimicking you. And their biggest question is, did I do it right? Did mm-hmm. I do it right? And now you have a teenager looking you in the eye. You don't know. They find direction insulting and condescending because they are no longer... Um, eager to absorb, they are now processing and wanting to express their individuality, which is a normal Mm -hmm. part of the human brain. So they seek approval by saying, when I do it my way, do you love me? Right. Not, did I get it right? Because I did it your way. I want to be who I am. Do you still love me? 
that, and again, um, like the children's brains have simple emotions. So sure, they have emotional blowups and meltdowns and things like that, but it's simplistic because of the, their newly developing brain. A teenager is developing vastly more complex emotions, the capacity for them. But that does not mean that they know how to use their intellectual brain, which is far from finished developing, to express them effectively express, which is why our brains naturally default to being frustrated, resentful, pissy, angry, blamey, because they don't know, they don't like it in there either, by the way. Right. And nobody told them this was happening. They, if this happened to adults, there'd be serious drugs for that. Right. <laughs> like, let's just right. rewrite, rewrite. Let's just, let, let's just imagine for a moment that you're in, your brain deleted your current identity, what you knew and loved about yourself, deleted it, and then rewrote over it necessary for a far more complex sense of identity. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine that for one oh second? My God, no. That's what happens. Disney's Disney Pixar's Inside Out movie is not just a fun movie. That is actually a, a cartoon and illustration of the mile at the pruning that goes on in the human brain. Right. in order to become an adult. So again, as children, they they want to be like you. A teenager would rather die than be like you. Right, like that's exactly. So lame. Yeah. And, and it's part of, and so it's also feels um, kind of like a knife in your heart some days mm-hmm. because all of a sudden the you that they loved and adored and couldn't be wait to be like, now they think is like an allergic reaction. Like, how fast can I not be like you? And it's hard not to take that personally. And when we take it personally, it is the beginning of the unraveling of the ball of thread. But it's pretty darn hard not to take a lot of that personally. It so is. And it's about educating yourself on what to expect and then, and then how to respond. I mean, all those things you listed off with how the, how a teenager behaves is so typical. You hear that from everyone. So Mm -hmm. you have this teenager, you know, you can't rationalize with them because their brain's not ready for that. They don't Mm -hmm. understand. How do you suggest, like, what are some tips that parents can do when their child is, you know, they're, they're in that blamey, we, we blame it on their hormones, right? We blame yes. it on the period. We blame it on all of this other stuff. And parents are just like, chalk it up to, oh, they're just so difficult. They just won't listen to me. They just want this, mm-hmm. want that. Mm-hmm. What can parents do to start to change that narrative? Because I think a lot of us as parents complaining that way really also negatively impacts our kids and shuts them down. Cause I, yes. I noticed that when I was in my marriage, when, you know, my kids would be, you know, put down for the way they were behaving, mm-hmm. it would shut down even further or it would mm-hmm. escalate the whole tantrum. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. One of the best tools that I, um, I teach this, I have a free 10 day challenge that offers it is empathize and validate. Now, the irony is as simple as that sounds, we parent the way we were parented and we were suppressed and shut down. And I'll tell you how you feel. And that's not really how you feel. I'll tell up. I know you better than you. And so for us as parents, it is now our job, our responsibility to take on learning the skill of empathy which is not agreement. It is not agreement. 
there's actually four pillars to empathy. And the first is perspective taking. Are you willing to take someone else's perspective, your teen's perspective, as they experienced it, not as you believed it to be? Mm-hmm. And that is a Dr. Brené Brown quote. Don't quote me on me on that one. Um, so perspective taking is critical and knowing that by taking someone's perspective, you don't have to, you're secure enough in yourself. It doesn't mean you're giving up what you believe right. or you're just, are you willing to stand over there and be empathetic to what is currently going on for them on your hardest day? What do you want someone to say to you? Yeah. How are you doing? Are you okay? <laughs> and what about, yeah, I imagine that's hard. I'm sorry. You're having a hard day. Yeah. That must be really rough. What do you need right now? Even if you're yelling and screaming at me, for me to look at you and say, wow, you must be really upset. I can hear how angry you are. I'm so sorry that this was such a hard time for you. Yeah, it's okay to be angry. Would you like me to listen? Would you like me to help you with the situation? These are empathy skills that we were not shown, not because our parents are evil. And it is up to us. The number one tool is to empathize. Yes. And we just didn't know that. And I love that. It's just break it down into the script. And I think that that is so key to know what are those small things you can say? Cause I think, I mean, I'm so guilty of this. I like to fix, right? Like right. fix your problem. Right. I want to just solve it for you because <laughs> your pain is killing me right now, you know? And I think oftentimes that's the opposite because I'll get that even from my teenage son right now. It's like, mom, stop, just like, stop talking. <laughs> you know. Yes. And I feel like, Oh, I just want to help you. But I think I'm actually having the opposite effect, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You will build more defensiveness, disconnect and conflict because fixing is about you. It's not about him. That's an issue. Yes. Actually, I just saw one of your Instagrams about that. It was about how we want to fix our child's problem because that fixes our pain for yes. them, right? Yes. yes. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it by needing to control, control the situation to abate your own insecurity, fear, uncomfortableness with the emotion, controlling is not compassion. It's self-care for you but it is mitigating your, 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 and invalidating your teen's experience. It is mitigating their intellectual brain from, from the ability to process what's going on for them, for the ability to begin to learn what solution um, or resolution looks like for them, because Mm -hmm. they were allowed to talk it through and figure it out themselves. You breed distrust, disrespect. It's so many things. And yet, we do it because that's what our parents did for us. I know. So that's what we, know. we learned. That's it. what we learned. So we have to unlearn this. And I, I love those, those ways that we can empathize and just validate because when, especially when you're going through a divorce situation, it is so important to just let your child feel safe enough to just get all that out. Like this yes. must be hard for you. Walk me through how this must be for you yes. to have to go through to two homes or how to change your life and how to, you know, change schools or whatever it is that you're dealing with. Walk me through what this is like for you instead of here's your new life and we need to deal with it. And this is just the way it is, you know, really open that empathetic place up for them. I think a lot of parents are struggling already yourself that the kids needs get left to the side a bit. And if they're not 
if they're not misbehaving at school, if their grades aren't going down, if you don't notice anything, then you think they're fine. But a lot of times they're still not fine. It's just, they're holding it all in, you know? Yeah. They're suppressing and oppressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much, mm-hmm. so much to talk about what we are going to continue and get into a bit more of this after a quick break. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy supports many individuals and couples at this stage who have been unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Cindy's clients are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they are able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family, and it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. As a divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and qualified discernment counselor, Cindy is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are on the brink of separation. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to make the right decision without regrets? Why keep waiting? Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 or email info at divorceredefined.ca. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy Stibbard, founder of Divorce Redefined, professional divorce and decision coaching, supports many individuals and couples at this stage who are unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Does this sound like you? If it does, you are not alone. Text DIVORCE to 602-200-6446 to book your free call. Those who choose to work with Cindy are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they're able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce and decision coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family. And it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have even been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. Because what she offers at Divorce Redefined is different. You don't have to only be getting a divorce to benefit from her professional guidance. Cindy offers a unique element in addition to her popular divorce services called Decision Coaching. Decision Coaching is a type of guided support that is meant to help couples get out of that indecision purgatory. Modeled after her training at the Doherty Relationship Institute, Cindy Stibbard's decision coaching approach is specifically designed to do just that, help couples come to a decision, whether to take one more shot at reconciliation or whether it's better to prepare for divorce. Regardless of the direction taken, couples on the brink finally find the clarity and confidence to know whatever they decide, it is what's best for their family. 
As a divorce and decision coach and certified divorce specialist, Sydney Stibbard is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are in the process of uncoupling. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to do this right and make choices without regret? If you still aren't sure, ask yourself this. If I'm still in this exact place six months to a year from now, am I going to be okay with that? If your answer is no, Cindy is ready for you. Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy at Divorce Redefined today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446. That's text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 to book your free discovery call today. You don't have to do this alone. You are listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. If you have a question for Cindy or her guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Here is Cindy Stibbard. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Divorce Redefined. I'm joined today by my special guest, Allie Payne. Allie is a parenting specialist. She is passionate about empowering parents with fundamental relationship skills to end those painful disconnections, those emotional blowups and stressful silences that you might be dealing with with your teenagers. She helps build healthy relationships with teens so that we can all thrive better moving forward. And the way we left off, we were talking about, you know, our needs to, our need to fix our kids as we're going Mm -hmm. through struggles. Mm -hmm. And so let's get a bit deeper in that because you were, uh, we were going to talk a little bit more about the codependency of that piece. Yeah. Yeah. So again, based on previous parenting, which I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here, it's, it's not, this isn't about fault. This is about, it's our responsibility. Um, the way that we were often parented as children is that um, we were told we were responsible for our parents' feelings. So we were often told phrases like, oh, don't do that. That'll make your dad so angry. Or don't you make your mom mad? Or if your parents were upset, you must have done something. What did you do to make your mom mad? And so we learned we were responsible for other people's feelings, which Mm -hmm. P.S. you're not and you never can be. Just manage your own. However, the definition of that is codependence because what happens, what I learn is that if you're not okay, I'm not okay. Wow. And so now as parents, now this is an irony because as a child, we also learned that we needed to continue to externally perform and oppress or suppress our own actual feelings, authentic feelings in order to please our parents to earn their love and approval. Yes. Now we're parents and we're doing, so we think that the whole swooping in and fixing and rescuing our children makes us a better parent. It's noble. We get parent points. That's BS. I'm calling crap on that. It's untrue. What the message that you send to your child is you are incapable. I don't trust you. 
You are not smart enough to fix this. You obviously got yourself into some kind of trouble because you're not clever enough to know I'm going to have to dig you out of this. That's the message, the condescending message that you send to your teen as your brain is in a triggered state of fight or flight to some degree and going into a version of rescuing and fixing to abate your own insecurity that somehow because you're amygdala, you were taught that you were responsible for people's discomfort and you therefore needed to fix it. Yeah, somehow, but it builds so much disconnection with teens because they, um, you'll get, Ooh, you'll get so much more conflict and defiance rather than saying, which is okay to say, I feel really uncomfortable watching you struggle. That's not a sign of you. I'm noticing that's about me. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to let you know that, and I'm going to work on that. Um, or listen, I notice an extreme, I, everything I can do over here, not to jump out and try and fix this for you. And I understand that's, that's probably not healthy for you. Uh, I want you to know, I do trust you. Not only do I trust your feelings. Can you imagine if your parents said that oh I trust your feelings? I trust you with them. And I'm going to be over here listening and supporting And if I, if you feel like I'm trying to fix you, please just say, just, just give me the hand up or the please stop or no mom or whatever, because I want to learn differently. I want to learn differently than I learned. And it's going to be hard for me, but I'm, I'm in this, you matter to me. My relationship with you matters to me. And I want to, I want to figure out how to do this differently. Oh my gosh. That is so, so powerful. And I see that a lot in divorce situations where, you know, we're going through this trauma, this separation, mm-hmm. there's a lot of anger and animosity that goes mm-hmm. on in divorce. And we project right. our feelings and our emotions about the other parent onto our child, you know, and yep. so the child is in this loyalty bind of, okay, well, mom hates dad or dad hates mom, or, or there was this affair and I'm supposed to hate this new person, or there's all of these emotions going on. And Mm -hmm. we download that on them, not really thinking that the, first of all, they're not even able to handle all of our, our emotions, especially during something like divorce. And we aren't allowing space for them to have their own feelings. It's okay that you love dad, that you love mom equally, that you want to be with them or you love dad or mom's new partner. And that's okay. You know, there's so much that we want to prevent because of our own pain and trauma. Yes. And we don't realize how much that impacts our kids. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love your point about it's an extraordinarily stressful situation on all fronts, emotionally, financially, uh, personally, it's so, so many that of course that misplaced anger or boiling pot, it kind of spills out and it, and it burns some people closest to it, unfortunately. And then I think there's also the massive stigma that says, well, you must not be a good parent. And so not only am I trying to literally swim through my own emotions and and processing and trauma and and pain, I want to make darn sure that my kids don't have pain and that I almost will drown trying to take on theirs too, because then I'm a better parent. Yeah. Yeah. Or overcompensating on for Over, that. Thank you. Thank you. Great. We're, um, then I'm overcompensating and it 100% does 
doesn't do that. First of all, you are now carrying that which is not yours. Mm-hmm. So you do you, boo. You just carry you and um, allow your teen to, you can give them a life raft. You can make sure it's inflated. You can paddle beside them, but they need to be in their own boat in this. Yeah. And um, I think that's so, so difficult when your confidence is, is down and you're feeling hurt, perhaps, you know, there was, you know, you were cheated on or, or whatever and lied to whatever. And then when your kids get angry, which they are allowed to, but gosh, can you just, it's like double stabbing in the heart oh, when yeah. you're already hurt by someone that you thought was someone else, or you loved and trusted at some point, And now your children are also angry at you. The need to want to oppress some of that pain is human and normal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work, but I'm I'm just I'm saying the need to want to stop some of it, whether you're buying it, I'm going to buy your happiness because I can't take your unhappiness right now. Right. I'm going to coerce or manipulate you into being happy because I can't manage your unhappiness right now because I can't manage my own unhappiness yeah. right now. And so it's a lot. It is a lot. And is it easy? No. Is it horribly messy? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it does it take a lot of support and or therapy and counseling, which I understand has comes with privilege as well, because that's at a cost mm-hmm. um, to make room for everyone to have their own anger. And I call it the dark side of the moon because we were raised in our generation where you only felt or behaved in the emotions that showed on the light side of the moon. Mm-hmm. The one that we always see that you always goes around the earth. You always see it. And there's a way that we are kind of, we're raised as half humans because of our discomfort with the emotions that live on the dark side of the moon. Mm -hmm. And if you're going through divorce, let alone if you are raising a teen, heck, if you're doing both, then you are probably experiencing a lot of those emotions that you never were given the luxury to explore, to express, to find effective ways to express the hard ones that actually require some of the deepest coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. that instead we use, you know, things like food, social media, sex, shopping, you know, you name it, right? Yeah. Because we were never taught how to cope with those ones. We were taught to get that thing done, like put the lid on that thing and put it away because that's not well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I see this like I see this divide between parents who then want to control because everything else seems to be out of control and they want to control. Or I see then the opposite where now they just let go because they have caused their child so much pain already through divorce. But now I'm afraid to set a rule. Now you have all this freedom because I want you to love me and I want you to be in my house and I want you to live with me. (laughs) So there's this like whole divide. And and I see kids going back from one house where there's like some control and then the other one where there's like zero and so much freedom. They're like, what the hell? (laughs) What do I do? Right, right. Yeah, that's so true. I've talked a lot about that. Again, not from my own experience, but from having um, the privilege of walking through this with some a number of my friends is that, and I tell parents all the time, first of all, you cannot control what goes on in that other home. You you cannot, you cannot, unless it is uh, of a legal nature that you are going to have written into a separation or co parenting agreement, you cannot control what goes on in that other home. So making up a story 
that you need to be whatever parent that is going to compensate for what's not happening in that other home that you think is so wrong and morally abhorrent and all of the things, all that does is polarize your children's experience even further. And I heard this on TikTok from a young 20 something who grew up in um, a divided um, uh, co-parenting agreement, like two Mm -hmm. different homes. And it was shocking to me. And I did a, I did an article on it and it's about, it felt like whiplash. It's like, imagine for a moment, you're going to, I'm telling you, here's your airplane ticket. We're going to pack. We're going to Jamaica. So just, just in that moment, when I said that, think of what you pack, imagine the culture, imagine the climate, imagine what you think you're going, we're going to be doing. Okay, great. Now on Sunday at six, you are going to Russia, right? (laughs) You're going a little different. (laughs) Yeah climate, culture, the kind of things you're going to be doing, the parenting there. Um, oh, I'm sorry. And then you're going to get, cause you, cause it's, it's, it might take you the jet lag. It might take you two days to mm-hmm. readjust to Russia, even though you're probably going to get in trouble because of the stress, you probably forgot some of the warmer clothes that you forgot to take out of the suitcase last time. And just as you're adjusting and getting back into that, whether you like it or not, but you're adjusting because you're resilient and adaptable, you got to get back on a plane and go back to Jamaica. Yeah. And you do this every week. And this is what this, this young 20 was talking about on TikTok is if you are constantly trying to compensate for what's not happening in the other home, first of all, you are not parenting as the parent that you are gloriously here to be. Mm-hmm. So instead of parenting because of what they, they in quotes are not doing parent in what you believe is true parent, the way you believe is true because polarizing is harder on your children when you are anchoring in trying to be right. Yeah. Your, your children are paying the price for that. So parent in however you feel is true and, and, and works for you. Mm-hmm. And acknowledge the difference, acknowledge it not as wrong, not as morally abhorrent because half of that DNA and that child in front of you belongs in that other home. So anything that you degrade or are derogatory about, you are degrading your own child Mm -hmm. and, and are asking them to take sides or love you more, stop trying to buy their affection, stop trying to have no boundaries. So they love you more, be you, just be, just be you because- even though you may have gone through a divorce or separation, you, you might need to hear this. You are deserving of love and respect and dignity. Mm-hmm. You are not a less than person. You are not used goods. Stand up for what you are worth, for your respect, for your dignity, because your children will respect that a lot more than giving them everything they think they wanted when they don't really want it. They actually just wanted you. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so powerful. I can't even imagine how that must feel for them. You bring that word respect and that really hit it hit with me because I felt parents are so quick to want to demand respect from their teenagers, yes. right? Yes. You don't respect me. You're not showing me respect. What does it right. look like for kids and how do parents go about you know, earning that respect or creating that respect or how do they go about that? Because I know I hear that a lot. 
I say you need to model what you want. Mm. Your teenager's brain is, is growing and changing. So what they, what you thought, this is the truth, what you thought was respect, okay, from your child was your child's physiological, neurological brain state of mimicking you. Mm. That's not respect. Okay. That that's the developmental stage of their brain, but our egos want to say that was respect because we thought that was quote influence. Okay. Right. Now they want to be them. They're trying to figure out who that is. Cause that is their brain's job. It's called individuation and differentiation. It is a fundamental part of becoming a successful adult. And so now you see their need to constantly be different than you as a lack of respect. Right. So first of all, let, let's not conflate that. No, 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 no. That's got nothing to do with respect. Now your team is, if someone fundamentally changed your brain tomorrow morning, I think you might be angry too. You might be angry. You might act like you're hangry 24 seven, even though you've eaten and you are constantly tired and all these things, but you don't know why. Yeah. I would be angry too. Mm-hmm. So again, don't take it personally. If you take it personally, this is going down a rail. This is not against you. Yeah. They're trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. So that's the second part. The third part is model what you want to receive. If you are constantly modeling, controlling, oppressing, suppressing, because you don't like what you're getting, that's not respect. Mm-hmm. And you cannot command respect that, that that's been proven. It doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't work. In fact, one of the biggest factors to gaining respect is empathy and listening. Yes. So if you want to model respect, then no matter, depersonalize this for a second, depersonalize, your child is going to act out, period. They're trying to figure out a new brain and no one told them how to do it or that it was even going to happen. It's not a happy time for them. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. Then show them what respect looks like even if they are being disrespectful. That does not mean they are disrespectful. This is not a mark of character. This is a mark of behavior. You are respectful. What I hear from you is not. I love you. What, What is your thoughts, your feelings matter to me? I want to hear what's going on for you. These specific words and phrases cross my line of what is respectful. Do you want to try that again? And if they're like, yeah, yeah, you, then you just put up the hand and you say, I love you. I'm going to go check out for about 10 minutes. They could still be yelling their head off at you. Right. But you're modeling responsive, calm brain, and you're modeling respect. I love you. You matter to me. I'm going to come back in about 10 minutes and I'm happy to try again. And you leave. Right. And that might seem cold, but remember that this isn't about you and you have set a loving boundary. Then in 10 minutes, you come back. Yeah. And you say, Hey, look, how I really want to hear what you're having. I would really like to hear what you have to say. Your feelings matter to me. I promise to just listen as long as these words and phrases, like that's my line, I want to hear tell me. And then you just listen. Cause this is when we go back into fixing, right? So mm-hmm. we've already talked about that. Yes. You just listen 
Just yeah. listen, nod. Active listening is small statements that just show your presence. So things like this, mm-hmm. really, no way. Oh, wow. Okay. And then what? That's active listening. Yes. You're not interrupting. You are never making the focus on you. You're keeping the focus over there on them. You're just letting them know you're present. And it's so simple, but not easy in the moment when you're also activated, right? Right. And so if you're activated, the number one way to calm yourself, which you can also model, is breathing. Mm-hmm. One deep breath instantly brings your nervous, your parasympathetic nervous system down. So if your teenager is hijacked and you notice you're getting hijacked too, let them see you take a deep breath, yes. model it. Yeah. I can't say that enough. Model it, model it, model it. You cannot demand what you want to see if you are not willing to model what you want. That is so big. I love that. And I know that we're getting close to the, the hour, but I wanted to also go into consequences because parents yes. then feel disrespected <laughs> and yes. then do something like take their phone away. Oh, you didn't right. do that. Or you're disrespecting me. I'm going to take the one thing that is attached to your body that right. I know is important to you. So right. uh, yeah. How do you feel about consequences? So that, that's uh, well, consequences are, are absolutely important. I think mm-hmm. that, um, because again, we were raised in a behavioralist pa- parenting, which is a math equation. You do this. I'll do this. Yeah. For every action, there must be an equal reaction. Um, that's physics. That is not parenting. That's physics. That is not relationships. Yeah. Consequences are never intended to control. Although that is how we were raised, which let's take your phone threats, ultimatums. They they were versions of emotional manipulation and coercion. Mm -hmm. That's that's, those are unhealthy relational tools. A consequence. I have my, uh, a compassionate consequence formula that's I cover in a lot of my programs. And basically it's that it's actually taken from, first of all, science relationship studies, but also cultures whose kids don't act out a lot. Like in Africa, they go for a walk and guess right. what's the first thing they do? They get curious. Tell me what's, what's going on for you right now. They get curious mm-hmm. with a compassionate mindset that comes from Dr. Brené Brown. I use this generous assumption. This person isn't doing this against me. That comes from an insecure way of thinking. I'm secure enough in myself to know, wow, if they're acting out, something must be really wrong. Tell me what's going on for you. I get curious and I get compassionate. And we have a conversation that builds understanding. Mm -hmm. Often at that point, a consequence is not required. Right. Because, and uh, consequences purely come from a behavioral control model, which is a short-term behavioral change. Your teenager will only do what is necessary to earn back whatever privilege they lost. And let me tell you, they will disrespect you more and more each time. Mm -hmm. Connecting through curiosity and compassion in a conversation builds understanding, it builds trust, builds respect, and scientifically proven, it builds influence which is long-term behavior change. Only after that point, if a consequence is necessary, which you do not rescue them from either. And sometimes you ask them because a consequence must be correlated to the behavior. So the whole take the phone thing, instant disrespect, unless it had to do with the phone. Mm -hmm. So you say to them, okay, if you were me, what would you do right now? Now, sometimes they'd say, oh, I, I get what I did wrong. Like I, 
I, you know, and sometimes they'd say, well, I probably should do this. And it'll be way more creative than what you could have thought of. Right. (laughs) And what I want to say, this last bit about consequences, whatever you decide, current studies show that anything that lasts more than a week, grounding, washing dishes, cleaning the house, et cetera, uh, or taking the phone if that was necessary, increase experience of isolation, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, powerless, which leads to rage, mm. uh, long-term and trauma. So whatever you choose, keep it correlated and relevant to the transgression and no more than a week. And at the end of that, you reconnect and talk about you connect with them in the consequence because it's about mentorship. Like when yeah. they're washing the dishes for a week, you say, oh, look, you pick up the tea towel. They're not going to talk to you. They're mad at you. But you know what yeah. you can say? I know this sucks and I know you hate it and you're doing a great job. And then you never bring up that transgression again, again. because no one needs to be reminded that they screwed up because we all do. The only time you bring up that transgression is to say, when another transgression happens and you say, look, remember that time you had to wash the dishes for a week and you hated it and you did so great. You can do this. This is about, that's how I hold consequences. Yes. It's such a loving way, but also a way that is, that makes sense. It's relevant to the the crime. Let's say like, you know, connection and it is actually studied for behavior change. Control does not, that is an issue. Yes. Oh, and you see that so much as, you know, different parenting styles of, of control, like they need to feel they're controlling or obedient, you know, and I see sometimes Compliance I see parents and obedience. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes I see parents like thinking, okay, well, I'm going to give choices to my teenager. I'm going to give choice A, choice B, you know, do you want to come here with me now? Or do you want to stay home? And if their teenager chooses the one you didn't want them to pick, now they're mad. Well, you have to actually come. That's like, you're coming, <laughs> you know, like they lay it out as if, it's a choice, but it's actually really not. And, and that's, that's manipulation. It's, it's kind of blackmail and manipulation. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. And, and maybe it's also just parents learning how this all works, but I do see this such an important role of using those tools and strategies that you were, that you were suggesting to communicate and just listen. We want to do so much talking. We want to do so much fixing. Yeah. We want them not to hurt. We want them. We want to understand them. But really they're in the beginning to... stages of learning to adult. So you need to treat them as their brain is becoming an adult. It's not a child anymore. Nor is it an adult either almost, right? It's like, right. So that's why modeling everything you say you want from them is so important. It starts with you. Yes. Oh my God, Ellie, thank you so much for being here. And as we wrap up, thank tell you. everyone where they can find you. Absolutely. At Allie Payne, A-L-Y-P-A-I-N on Instagram and TikTok or my website, AllyPayne.com. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. And please everyone reach out to her, go and give her a follow because she has constant great tips on how to deal with your teenagers on a day-to-day basis. I've got them bookmarked so I can go back and be like, yeah, what did Allie say? All right. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Thanks. Good to see you. And thank you everyone for joining us. We will be back again next week. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.